this is something that I am grateful for that I learned. And I think the reason that I was able to learn it is because I spent, I would say, half of my life suffering and making things harder than they needed to be and not knowing what to do. That now I just know that the more fun that I'm having, the more that I say no to things that are just like good, but not great, that I attract things that are meant for me to me faster. You've gotten great at divine working, but what about divine living? Welcome to the Divine Living Podcast. I'm your host, Gina DeVee. You're not alone in wanting more. And here at the Divine Living Podcast, you can expect to be part of conversations from women like us who unapologetically dream big and are obsessed with manifesting our most fabulous lives. The conversation starts now. Queens, you are in the house with the queen, Sarah Pendrick. I have been waiting for this conversation. I am so proud of you, dear friend, with your stunning, gorgeous new book that you've got coming out. And just who you are as a human, a friend, a woman, a never giving upper, big thinking goddess that you are. Welcome to the Divine Living Podcast. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. I'm <laughs> so excited to be on your podcast and see your beautiful face and just talk to all of your amazing people. Yes, yes, yes. So where to begin? So everyone must know Sarah is definitely one of my besties. So this podcast is probably going to have a different tone mm -hmm. because I want you to get to know the woman that I know who I just have so much love and respect for and just enjoy being with. And so Sarah, I think we'll get to like some of the present day juicy stuff that's going on in our lives later on. But I want to take a little trip down memory lane because I'm sure everybody that's looked you up on Instagram, if they don't already know you, here we'll just jump right in. I'm going to guess it's going to make like all kinds of assumptions about you, about Sarah and her perfect life and her perfect man and her perfect all of this and there's a lot that's really perfect in your life. And I know that, that you are a creator mm -hmm. and what you have manifested in your life that you've been very intentional about. And it hasn't always been this way. So let's take a little walk down memory lane and just, you know, people learn through stories. So let's hear a little bit about your story and how you kind of became passionate about the work that you do today. Yeah. So. It's interesting, our triggers and things that can kind of like step in the way. One of mine is that people will look at me and think that I have a perfect life, you know? So I'm always like, no, but there's so much more. And I've actually embraced that because I think that everyone gets judged. We all get judged. We mm -hmm. all get misjudged. We all get all the things thrown at us. And I love it because I get to lean into that trigger. And I also, it reminds me not to place judgments on other people. So for me, let's see, I grew up in the Midwest. I have absolutely no sisters. So that is why I'm so obsessed with female leadership, female friendships, women in general, just supporting women to rise. That's really been something that I've been obsessed with my whole entire life. And I don't know where it came from. I, I guess that it's because I came from a family that didn't have a lot of women in it. 
my dad did not know how to raise a woman. He did his absolute best, but he didn't know how to handle me. I was a natural entrepreneur. I was a natural light. Like I came out and I'm like, let's do this. Like enthusiastic for life. And he he didn't know how to handle that. So with him just wanting to protect me and just coming from a totally different mindset back then. I just don't... I think my dad came from the generation and he's fine with me talking about it. I've been through all of that for so long. I didn't tell my story because I didn't want to hurt other people. Mm-hmm. So he just comes from a different generation. He didn't know what to do with me. Therefore, I picked up a lot of messages along the way that there was something wrong with me, that I needed to be less than what I was. I feel like you were about to say something, Gina. You're looking at me. You're like, yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, 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 yes. So how did that show up? Like, What did he say? And then how did you interpret that? So he would say things like, girls, don't do this, or you should do that. Or he would be very uncomfortable. Him and his side of the family would be very uncomfortable with my opinions and just mm-hmm. expressiveness. They just didn't know how to handle it. So I would catch on to their energy and then I would make up a story that I was doing something wrong or that I was being too much. So I would slowly through the years start like dimming down who I was Mm -hmm. and kind of showing up like a half version of myself. Right. I mean, that story of like that being too much, like it's like the most illegal thing in the world, especially Mm -hmm. when you're like a young girl in the Midwest, right? And when you think about it, it's like, it's the only type of person that lives the legendary life that yeah. we all look up to. And yet this squelching of women and young girls about, you know, like that there's something wrong with being too much, like it's going to hurt someone else or, or all things. Yeah. I can't imagine that your fashion sense and style like started last year or a couple of years ago. You probably had that when you were a little girl too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did. And I mean, we grew up, my family didn't have any money. Like we grew up in a small brick house, like in a not good area in St. Louis. So I, it was natural inside of me. Like I think that just this expression of being out into the world, which also came with fashion. To me, I view fashion as an art. Mm -hmm. So creativity, fashion, all of these things, all these things of who I naturally was. And then I was living in a world that told me there was something wrong with me. And I went to school and other women would bully me. And then I didn't have women around me. And it was just very, very, very confusing. Sure. What kind of bullying did you experience? So I actually experienced bullying from my first bully was my grandma, my dad's mom, because she also was raised with just men kind of followed all the rules like cooking and cleaning, women don't do this, they don't say this, all of that. So she as well was very triggered by me. Like, I know that she was a strong, independent woman, yet she was raised in an era that that wasn't accepted. So again, she would comment things about me, things about the way that I looked. And back then, when you're a little girl, when you're a five-year-old, and these caretakers that you have like seem to have so many issues with you... It was just so like at the time detrimental to like me knowing who I was. So I spent probably from five to 15 extremely lost, getting bullied. I experienced sexual assault and really just trying to survive. And now I look back on it and I'm grateful for every single thing. I can find compassion. I'm grateful for who I am. I know that everything I've manifested in my life, I've been able to manifest because of everything that I've been through. Wow. All right. You just like, dropped so, so much opportunity for healing here. You know, when having done the work that I've done with women over 20 years, 
I got to tell you, women suffer in silence so much. Mm-hmm. And I've heard so many, obviously, not just the mother story, but the grandmother story. So mm-hmm. would you share just a couple of things? So I know it will feel so many other women too, or have them feel less alone. Like what's so, do you remember like one thing that your grandmother said to you that had you go inward or? Yeah. So I just remember that every time we were together, just I, something that I said or the way that I behaved like wasn't okay. And she was very vocal about that. Like there was always a fight. And I remember it's, I remember this very, very clear is that I was standing in my room and she was in the hallway with my younger brother. And she's like, let's just leave your sister alone. She thinks she's so perfect. She thinks she knows everything. Like let her just look the way that she does and do her thing. Hence why I also get triggered by being judged for the way that I look. But mm-hmm. as a little girl, I'm like, what? Like, I don't think those things. This is the person that's supposed to love me. Why is she saying this? Oh, wow. Wow. What did you make it mean when you heard that? I can imagine myself right now in that moment. I've done the rescripting of it and all the things. But in that moment, I just remember being like, why doesn't she like me? Mm-hmm. Like, what's wrong with me that my grandma doesn't like me? Mm-hmm. And we know rejection breeds obsession. So it's mm-hmm. like, then it just becomes the thing that we're obsessed and thinking about or trying to change or get love and all the dysfunctional neurological pathways then just set in and start and put us on this path for, for most of us for far too long. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for sharing that. I can just like picture little Sarah right now and me just knowing your heart and your soul and your your innocence and your just like positive belief in everyone's greatness mm-hmm. um you know we're we're just so wanting that to be mirrored now let alone then so thank you for that and then how did you handle bullying during like the young and teenage years um, and also I want to say this too, because I know that you come from an Italian background too, and that mm-hmm. side of the family is Italian. So I'm mm-hmm. sure that, you know, we've talked about this, just mm-hmm. all of that. And you said like a lot of women suffer in silence and I did suffer in silence for a really long time because you just don't, you just, especially when you're young, you have no idea. Like, what does this mean? Why doesn't someone like me? And that I think fed into the bullying. Like we manifest everything in our life, right? Like we manifest mm-hmm. the negative, the positive, and you're a manifester when you're five years old. You're a manifester when you're 15 years old. And I was obsessed, like you said, with wanting people to like me because I thought that's how I would stay safe. So while I wasn't being liked at school and again, not understanding why I wasn't a mean girl, I didn't do anything. I was just... What I can say is I was just obsessed with people liking me. So I didn't know who I was. I was suffering in silence. I was doing anything to just be in survival mode. And there was just a lot of mean girl stuff. We left the Midwest and came to the West Coast. And there was a lot of mean girl things in the school system, like not dressing a certain way, not living in a certain neighborhood. It was just coming from the Midwest in a poor neighborhood to my dad's company starting to make it, going to the West Coast, being surrounded by money, people driving like back then Hummers to school. And I, again, wasn't good enough. Like with what I was wearing or what I was doing and all the things. And you're just really in survival mode at that point in my life. And what were some of your survival skills then? I suffered in silence. I was like, you, I could be suffering so 
obviously inside I was, but you would have no idea. I you like you couldn't read me. I was like so good at putting a wall up. I was so strong. I really prided myself on like being strong back then. I was like, you're not going to be able to hurt me. I'm not going to let you in. Mm. I'm not going to be vulnerable. I'm not going to get too close. All that stuff. And I I really prided myself on like being a strong woman in that way. Until in college, I kind of turned a corner and made a little shift and realized what I wanted my definition of strong to really be. Right. Because that's what we were taught back in those days, that that's what being strong is, is showing Mm -hmm. no emotion and acting like nothing got to us and that we didn't care and like all, all of the opposite pieces. You know, you and I have never really talked about this. And I just know that so many women listening you know, with this theme of suffering in silence have also uh, experienced sexual assault. Mm -hmm. And do you want to share anything about that portion of your story? Yeah, I know it's crazy that you and I haven't really talked about it. And you're, you're one of my best friends. But for me, it was a really long journey. I didn't heal overnight. I actually was sexually assaulted when I was five years old for the first time by a family member. and. It's again, like you just imagine from the things that I'm telling you right now, like I don't know. And I didn't know who to tell. I didn't know what to do. You think it's your fault. And then again, stuff like going through manifesting certain things. And I was on my own for the first time when I was 19. And then I was raped. Oh, Sarah. And I didn't, I didn't tell anyone. It was actually, I didn't tell anyone that it happened again, suffering in silence. And I actually told people for the first, I told my husband and then for the first time, what a way I said it at an event because... Leave it to you. I know. On stage, people that I went to high school, college with, people, some of my best friends. And then of course, they're like, what's wrong with me? Like, you didn't tell me. Like, why didn't you tell me? And then actually some of them had had the same experience. And I was sitting there doing my first event that was benefiting people that had been sexually assaulted. I was going and taking women that very next day using the profits and and supporting them with healing and having this amazing support group for them. Yet I had not told my own story yet. So it was a continual like suffering in silence type of thing. What had you... Wait, either way, hold there's so, so, so much for... Like, first of all, I just like want to reach through and, and, and hug you right now. I mean, for all of the the child sexual abuse that goes on and we're fortunate enough to know that none of it gets to define us that, mm-hmm. that we define ourselves but for mm-hmm. maybe somebody listening right now that took on someone else's bad dysfunctional behavior as their own shame or that there's something wrong with them you know it's women that are courageous enough like yourself to say no like I did nothing wrong. Right. And we don't need to suffer in silence. And yet we see where our own programming just kind of brings us the beliefs until those beliefs change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Would you say, have you fully healed from both of them? I have. Um, I think the one, obviously, when I was younger, took a little bit longer. But I have absolute complete compassion for, and some people listening might think this is crazy, but, and I feel it in my body. I have complete compassion for the man that raped me when I was 19. Like I have the most 
compassion. I've been able to like understand where he was suffering. It's not okay. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's no excuse for that, but I have compassion for him. I've forgiven him. I've obviously forgiven him for not for him, but for myself. Mm-hmm. And also for him, like for him, hurt people hurt people. Mm-hmm. And the one when I was younger took longer to heal because am I healed now in my 30 something year old while I'm thinking of that five year old? Yes, but you have to go back in time as you know, and put yourself and be that little girl and talk to that little girl. So that took longer because I also got to learn how to do that. Mm. And so of course, that piece took longer. And for me, I realized like, why did I come out to one like on stage (laughs) with my friends that were like, um, what? <laughs> in front of like one of my first girl talk events. And the reason that I did that, I mean, it seems like at the time I was like, this is, this is crazy. Like, this is the day that I picked to do it. And I realized that I was being part of the problem. I was being part of the continued problem to where people would suffer in silence or think that they could not share their story. And that I knew that me being brave, stepping into my life bravely, that that was my first step and that we get to break we get to break what we both know. Gina, you and I both know like the suffering and silence, the like, don't talk about it, sweep it under the table, the Italian family, like you don't, you do not know anything that's going on in our house. Like it's all. Add a little Christianity on top. Yeah. <laughs> all that. And I'm like, I'm not going to continue. I'm not going to continue this pattern anymore. Well, if anybody has been following Sarah on any of our girl trips to like Palm Springs or wherever else, it's like, I mean, I wouldn't have expected you to like, do it in the privacy of some therapy office, leave it to you larger than life, Patrick, to to be like, you know what, this needs to change and this is going to end now. And you know, that is true. Of course, it would be a stage with hundreds of women in the room and to set this story straight and free. Like it's, you couldn't do it any other way. I know. Now that you say that, I'm like, yeah, of course, of course it happened that way. Sunglasses collection. (laughs) I will never forget when I was on my trip. I'm like, I thought these were low key. You're like, those are not low key. (laughs) (laughs) They were basically half the size of her head, these sunglasses with like, oh my gosh. (laughs) I think Ashley's still laughing about the the fact that you thought those were low key. Well, I love every, every part about you and I especially love that you're not low key. I mean, I especially love your your big thinking and your larger than lifeness. And, you know, I'm so sorry on a certain level for everything that you and every other woman has had to go through. But the fact that you've used it the way you have to become who you are, like so spiritual, so grounded, such a meditator, such a role model for women to not dim their light and to be larger than life. So Let's talk about this gorgeous, stunning book that you've got coming out. Oh my gosh. When I was flipping through it, like, sir, you didn't, you like, this is without how grounded you are. You're like, oh yeah, like, here's my book. Like I'm flipping through. This is like one of the most stunning, beautiful books I've ever seen. Oh my gosh. Thank you. You're my first friend that I've talked to about this. So when you boxered me this morning and told me that, I was like, oh, thank you. <laughs> Out of my, like, leave it to you. So anyways, obviously we'll have all the links in the show notes and everyone must get this book. So Sarah, tell everyone about your brand new book coming out and what they can expect. Yeah. So it's called Beautifully Brave and it's about this. It's what we're talking about. It's about 
living bravely in your life. It's about cultivating that, like that real self love where you actually feel the love inside of you. And I will tell you that I remember the moment that I healed from my sexual assault at five years old. I was doing inner child work and I felt it and I felt my body fill up with actual love. The way that I feel or look at my friends in my life, my husband, like it was like that times 10 and turned and reflected back inside me where it actually, yeah, it actually, I see you. Are you getting chills? I'm like totally chills. It's like, yeah, it was the most amazing feeling I had ever felt. And I'm like, this is what I get to write about for women to know like hashtag self love. Yes. And all the things, but like, that is a real thing that love that inner love for yourself and how you can cultivate that and feel that. And not only that, when you do that, you really do make a difference not only in your life, but everyone else's life around you. And just being able to come back to you, be you, wear your loud sunglasses or don't like literally (laughs) be you. And that is what the book's about. It's an unconventional guide that mixes spirituality, science, practical tips on all the ways to come back and like actually feel that true love inside yourself. And you are such an embodiment of this. Like, you know, as as boisterous as you are in so many ways, you're also like the the one of my most drama-free friends. Like you're intentional about how you show up. You're very selective with what's important to you, who you surround yourself with. And then you just like manifest like a mofo all the time. And like, I, I'm really getting it comes from your core of being beautifully brave. Like, I remember when you even got the book deal, it's like, P.S. Most people like scrounge for like agents and do pitches. And this whole and Sarah's like, yeah, I got this call, got this book deal. Like, it just you really do walk your talk. So talk to us a little bit about your style of manifesting. Yeah. So thank you for that. And I love you. You've been like one of the most supportive people in my life, like such a like woman's cheerleader and just you walk your talk like no one, like no one else. It's uh, absolutely amazing. I'm so incredibly grateful for you. And my manifesting style is that you have to really feel it before you have it happen. So I will sit with Josh and Mike before we go to bed or last night we were driving back from Arizona and we were saying, thank you, thank you, thank you. At the same time, we just kept saying that because we were saying things that we want to bring into our life and that we want to experience. And then we just kept going, thank you, thank you. Like anything that you could do to feel it in your body, you can attract it faster to you. And another thing is, this is something that I... I'm grateful for that I learned. And I think I the reason that I was able to learn it is because I spent, I would say, half of my life suffering and making things harder than they needed to be and not knowing what to do. That now I just know that the more fun that I'm having, the more that I say no to things that are just like good, but not great, that I attract things that are meant for me to me faster. So that's literally how the book thing happened, Gina. I remember because it wasn't that easy the first... The first part of it, I kept getting to these like... Oh, I forgot about that part, right? Isn't that funny how the mind plays tricks? I did. I know because then I was just like, what's going on? I'm getting rejected left and right. And then I was getting into that comparison. Like, oh, but all my friends have books. Why is this happening? They they got that, blah, blah, blah. Then I just shifted and I'm like, hey, like, I don't live like this anymore. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't do this. I'm going to put this on hold. And I'm going to go finish. I was doing my event, I think. I'm going to go finish my event. I'm going to keep having fun. 
like keep doing things that I enjoy in my life. And then I got a call from a publisher that was like my dream publisher. They're amazing. And they were like, Hey, we have an idea. We think you're the perfect writer for this. Like, let's partner together. Amazing. Amazing. So anyone sitting there listening saying like, look at Sarah, it sounds nice that when you're like having more fun, you actually manifest more of great, not just good. But like, I kind of can't really surrender to that because mm-hmm. I've been told my whole life, if you work harder, that's how you get ahead. And like success is hard to come by and it's not for everyone. What would your response be? I would say same here. I had that same exact thought. Sometimes that thought creeps in too. And then I just remember and I write down and I remember the list of times that it worked out, just like my book deal, for example. And I don't not work. I work extremely, extremely hard. I do a lot. But I love what I do. And I couldn't imagine doing anything else. And I just start calling it inspired steps, like inspired actions. So you're not just like sitting there like dreaming up meditating, like this is gonna happen today. Like, I'm just gonna sit here and get this call. (laughs) It's just really being intentional about what you want to create, feeling the feelings. Sometimes I play a game where I'm like, how would I be acting? And how would I feel right now if this already happened? And it's all about like experimenting. Why are, why are we here? Like, what are we here to do? We're here to experience life. And I just think it's also been a society thing. And it's been something like, we're here, like we were saying, to change things up, to break the mold, to stop having things that don't work, work. And I think that that things have to be hard is one of the things that we can be an example of. That's not the truth. Yes! Say that again. (laughs) I'm like, which part? Um, That it doesn't have to be hard. That we get to be the examples that things don't have to be hard. Exactly. Because there's like a twofold glory in that. One, things don't have to be hard. That's awesome. But like that actually we've been entrusted with this information and this philosophy that we get to be the examples of it to share this wisdom with people that actually don't know that this is true. Yeah. Because think about why we even think or anyone listening, like, why do you think it's hard? Because you've been told that over and over and over and over. And then you go into a situation and you already have that in your mind. And you're like, well, this is hard. Well, of course, it's hard. It's supposed to be hard. Everyone says it's hard. And I think that we especially like now in this moment, it is our responsibility to be like, hey, like who made up this rumor? Yep. It gets to be a different way. And we can be the examples of that. Yes, yes, yes. And so spinning off of that, let's talk about your meditation practice. Okay. So I know that you are quite the meditator and it's very evident when you're around Sarah. Like Glenn even said to me after dinner one night, he's like, Sarah's a meditator, isn't she? How often do you meditate? What kind of meditation do you do? Yeah. G-Money. Do you talk about G-Money? Yes. (laughs) G money, I remember that he's like, Sarah, just she's a meditator. I'm like, how do you know? (laughs) So I, my beginning, my meditation, like beginning was totally like, I'm sure some, some of you listening, it was like, headspace, and then you're supposed to do it for an hour and like, all these things. And then I started just realizing that it can be really fun. And again, with the fun, and I will meditate, probably like, five to 20 minutes a day. It's the first thing that I do. And my meditation is more like visualization. 
like visualizing how I want the day to go, visualizing like who I get to meet, who I get to hang out with, what I get to create. And really just like embodying those high vibe feelings. I love to get on the frequency. I talk about this in the book too, in chapter two, because it's like, oh, it all sounds nice, but I really get to get into the science of it, of why it works. So I use meditation more so for just getting into the frequency that I want to live in. I love it. I love it. I love it. So what can people expect in this book other than we know epicness, but what did you, what do you really want people to walk away with? I want them to walk away with... If they're going to walk away with anything, it's the steps and the tools to start implementing into their life to cultivate that self-love. And in one of the chapters, I talk about how I actually started to find myself and how I was like, I'm never going to lose myself again. Mm. And that's what I want for everyone that reads it. They're like, Hey, like I'm actually supposed to be my own best friend. Like literally how you would treat a friend like Gina, how much I love you. And I know that you always have my back. Like Mm -hmm. that cultivate our friendship. We were able to get deep and close in a shorter amount of time, like instant besties because of who you be, the frequency that you carry. And that I just know that you have my back, right? Mm -hmm. And so if that's how you connect with other people, that's also how you connect with yourself. So for people to really be able to start connecting with themselves and like having their own back and watching their life and their relationships and their day change by doing that. Beautiful. And you are like the ultimate in prioritizing female friendships and your festivals that you do. Well, why is community the level of priority that it is for you? You know, I don't know. It's just naturally. (laughs) Yeah. Like I've asked myself that because sometimes I'm like, I care so much. Why do I care so much? (laughs) It's just naturally ingrained in me. And I make guesses in terms of because I didn't have it when I was younger because I didn't have sisterhood. I also think that it's part of the reason that I'm here and what I'm supposed to experience and also what I'm supposed to create. Mm -hmm. And I've gone through it. I'm like, hey, I've gone through my values of what really like ignites certain frequencies inside of me and what really, really fills me up and what do I love? And it's community and it's sisterhood. It always is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I remember when we first met you, you and some of the others were like, okay, we're talking about where we're going to go to dinner or whatever. And Glenn's like, yeah, that's cool. I'm free on Friday. And and I just remember just looking at him because he hadn't been used to me just doing girl stuff forever. It was always me <laughs> and Glenn. And he's like, oh, I get it now. It's a lifestyle. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's a lifestyle. and And what a beautiful one it is. For any woman listening who maybe has gotten too busy with the busyness of life or responsibility or just thinking that your tribe or people or women aren't out there. I mean, I just, I had that story and sadly stood by that story and believed in it for far too long. And then when I met so many beautiful women, I just realized like it was a story that I didn't Mm -hmm. belong or that my people didn't exist or that female friendship was kind of a frivolous waste of time. And I was, you know, the serious one working on my business and the level of community and connection and just back to fun that you just consistently create, Sarah. I know I am just so grateful and have switched my own priorities around it. Uh, and Glenn's even gotten on board too. So he's, he has. Yeah, he's, he's like, he's like number one. He's like, yes. 
He went from, oh, am I not invited to like, all right, you got to have your girl, your woman time, your sisterhood, all of that. He'll, he'll make the meals for us. He, he'll, yeah, he he'll... has done that before, which is amazing. Thank you, yeah. G-Money. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. All right, my love. Well, I am so excited for everyone to get their hands on this book, to follow you on Instagram. And before I let you go, what's next for you? Hmm. This year, I am prioritizing fun. I know I said it a lot because I just I just realized how much I manifest when I'm in that frequency. Mm-hmm. And I know that I want to enjoy, you know, things will happen that y- you are not in control of. So I just want to enjoy life and have fun and have experiences. I'm coming to visit you in Miami soon. Yes, yes, That's yes. going to be amazing. I'm so excited for everything and all the women and people that I get to connect with with the book. And... Just growing in being an example of that you can have fun, can have fulfilled fulfilled life and really just enjoy enjoy things and your dreams can come true that way. Yes, yes. Well, it does take bravery, which is why I think your book is just so perfectly encapsulates all of you and your essence. Beautifully brave. You get to do it all, be it all, have it all. Mm-hmm. And Sarah, thank you so much for just sharing so vulnerably and generously. And I know this book is just going to be such a game changer for so, so many, many hearts that need this wisdom soaked into it. So thank you for all the work that you've done to get to this state of forgiveness and power and wholeness, really. Yeah, thank you. I love you, Gina, so much. Like you're a part of my journey and I just, I just love you. Did you love the episode as much as I did? I hope so. I hope that you're feeling filled up and that all your dreams are possible and that you absolutely have what it takes to do this. And I am here for you. I'm here on your journey. And I just want to make sure that you are constantly supported with all things queen, high vibe, positivity, spiritual superpowers, and all the things. So if you have not already gotten in on the free companion course to my book, you know, my book is The Audacity to be Queen, The Unapologetic Art of Dreaming Big and Manifesting Your Most Fabulous Life. You can get my book. I'll leave the link in the show notes. But I also have a free companion course. Uh, whether or not you have the get the book, This course is meant to just support you with really taking a look at who you are and how you can get to where you want to go. So you can check it out at divineliving.com forward slash audacity, divineliving.com forward slash audacity. That link will be in the show notes as well. Like I said, it's completely free. There's videos, there's workbooks, there's a Facebook group. So get in on this good free content, share the link with your friends and enjoy. All right, my beautiful. I hope that you have loved this episode and it has been a blessing in your life. And if you could use a little extra love and support in sisterhood, I want to invite you to join me in my global community in the Audacity to be Queen free companion course. This is completely free. And when you go to divineliving.com forward slash audacity, you're going to get meditations, you're going to get videos, you're going to get workbooks, you're going to get Q&A call replays with me. It's just a whole bunch of positive programming completely for free. I want to make sure that you have this love in your life. So go get it now at divineliving.com forward slash audacity.